0: Thank you for listening to the calvary church podcast if this ministry has been a blessing to you would you let us know send an email to my at toledocalvary.org we would love to hear what god is doing in your life today i am so excited to introduce to you our special guest matt hammett many of you are familiar with matt through his writing through his speaking and especially through his music matt was one of the founding members of sanctus real and for years has been a voice in the Christian music industry. We especially love Matt because he grew up right here at Calvary. He's one of our very own. And I'm honored that Matt would come and speak to us today. The the topic that Matt is gonna talk to us about is one that not only God has put in his heart, but I know could be very meaningful for many of you. For many of us, the situations he's gonna address today and the way I believe God's gonna speak through him could be healing and life-giving to many based on what we've experienced in our lives in the past before. Matt, we are proud of you. We are honored that you are here today. So thankful that God has brought Matt to bring his word today. So if you would, Calvary, would you stand to your feet and give a great big Calvary welcome to Matt Hammett as he comes to bring God's word today?
1: Thank you. Appreciate that. It's good to be here. Pastor Chad can make anybody look or sound good, you know? That's the truth. I'm so grateful for Chad allowing me to be here. Um, When he called me and we talked about this Sunday and him potentially being gone, uh, he knew the topic. And you could probably already guess the topic based on the song that I sang a minute ago. Um, You know, and and it's a topic I think that people in churches need to be talking about. And... He said, man, you know, I've got some family stuff going on after conference, and I don't want Calvary to feel like the pastor's trying to skip out on the hard conversation, you know? And I was like, dude, Chad, I'm like, we love you. We love you. Go enjoy your family. Go do what you got to do and enjoy. I know what it's like, you know, trying to be on every weekend. Um, And so for him to enjoy this day off, uh, I just pray that he gets some really good rest and enjoys that with his family. Um, you know, I, I've been praying today that God would help me just handle this topic with great care. Yeah, I think it's something that the church has to discuss, because as far as I can see, the church at large seems to not be taking this issue head on of church hurt while the culture is. You see, the topic uh, is uh, revolving around church hurt, but I'm calling this topic life after church hurt because I believe that even after church hurt, God wants to heal us and help us experience abundant life together. And I think that so often that these pains and these fractures can be undealt with in ways, and that we can allow them to go on harming the unity that God wants to see in his church. And most of what I'm going to share today, I've actually put into a seven-day devotional that I wrote with my buddy Eric Newberry, who's one of the pastors. He's the missions pastor at Conduit Church in Nashville. Uh, This is a church that I go to when I'm in Nashville. And I asked Eric to join me because I wanted to write a devotional about this this topic because I didn't just want to write a four-minute song and just leave it at that. You know, I felt this is a huge topic to unpack. And so for people who heard it, I just wanted them to be able to find a resource or to give them a resource where we could really walk through what that might stir up inside. And so um, I do have a seven-day devotional. It's absolutely free, no cost at all. It's at my website if you're interested in that. I'm saying that now because I don't want to have to say it later. Um, But I do just want that to be a resource. And I'm going to call my mom, who works in the office, and make sure that they have it. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Hi, Ian. Uh, Yeah, my nephew's here too. you're really big since the last time I saw you, bro. It's good to see you. Been working out? Yeah, you look like a good job. Maybe you can train me later. Um, so, you know, I'll make sure that they have it in the office uh, as a resource to be able to just email you for free as a PDF if that's something that you think would, would be helpful to you. Um, here's here's the deal every community of faith holds stories of leaders and lay people who've endured or inflicted painful wounds. Wounds that have torn at the fabric of our spiritual families. And as God's children, it's really natural for for us to ask, you know, God, where are you in this kind of pain and the aftermath of what we've come to call church hurt? In 25 years of traveling, as a musical artist and speaker, I visited over 2,500 churches, almost 3,000. And most of the Christians that I've met love people, feed the hungry, give to the poor, care for the needy pray for the sick, befriend the lonely, and so much more. The amount of people doing good things that churches do far outweighs the bad, yet we continue to hear of devastating church fractures and leadership failures. And those stories spread like wildfire and leave unresolved pain in their wake. The topic of church hurt isn't something that is lurking in the shadows at all any longer. It's not something that's being swept under the rug. It's everywhere we turn, right out in the open. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've noticed that even if I'm just watching a simple show or a series or a film, how many times there's kind of jabs coming at faith, jabs coming at Jesus, jabs coming at the church. There is a concerted effort in our culture to make light of the fact that people who've been hurt may want nothing to do with religion or God or church any longer, but not only nothing to do with it, but to actually spite us. It is in our culture. It's deep in it because there's so much pain coming out of organized religion. Many of us know that it's not about the religion. There's that old cliche phrase, it so many times, uh, you know, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, and as simple as that is, and as many times as you heard that, those of us who are still here understand that, and today, you know, we can talk about the religion and the relationship and where these complicated tensions have left us. Maybe you've noticed uh, some of the documentaries even that have come out recently about some of the pain in church, Um, some of the covers here, like the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Did anybody listen to that? You know, it's complicated. It's Christianity Today, so it's even Christian media putting this out. And when I got to the end of that podcast, I kind of didn't feel like I was left with much rebuilding or many answers or... Hillsong documentary, the Duggar documentary, Shiny Happy People, just based on exposing the hard truth about some of the pain that's happened in churches. It's everywhere, but stories like these can lead us into a cynical despair. (laughs) Sitting in the rubble of unanswered questions and just feeling bitter and angry, it can affect our hearts. And then we can't see God's design any longer. As I was preparing for writing the book, Life After Church Hurt, and as I was looking at today and speaking, I I thought about including some statistics from what's happening in churches. And to be real honest, I I just kind of didn't want to really focus on that. But I will say that there are grim statistics everywhere about how many youth aren't coming to church, about how many people have left church of all ages and aren't coming back, about how many people who feel hurt and displaced about the amount of pastors leaving churches because they're discouraged, the amount of churches closing their doors and not reopening. And I think this is, for me, why it's so important for us to address this issue in church because the document, documentaries and podcasts aren't over. The deconstruction isn't over. And right now, the lion's share of this narrative is being told by the world from a perspective that leaves more questions than answers. It's like blowing up a building and just staring at the rubble and saying, well, how tragic is that? But when we see through the eyes of Jesus, if we can see through the eyes of Jesus, we look at the rubble and we see a remnant, we see healing, And we gain a heart to rebuild according to God's good design. And that's why today's message about church -er is real and honest. But it's a message about hope and not despair. That's so important that we take on this narrative with hope, with the goal of rebuilding. You see here, this this is one of the reasons it's so important to me as nations become weaker and more divided. Have you noticed how divided our nation has become? Am I the only one? I mean, it's like since COVID, somebody hit like the accelerate button, like Tesla, ludicrous mode, 0 to 60 and whatever it is, like two seconds. Just like, whoa, what happened? How did we become so divided? And my heart hurts when I look at this nation and how polarized we've become and how we can't even have conversation any longer between different sides of the aisle, whether that's politics or whatever it may be. But as nations become weaker and more divided, the church must become stronger and more united. But how can we be strong? And how can we be united if we don't see and strengthen those who are weak among us? I think there was a piece of me over the years Maybe partly because I've served in a lot of churches. I kind of thought, man, you know what? When you hit tension, just kind of like, like plow on. You know, and then in culture, there can be this kind of this victim mentality sometimes where it's like some people, not everybody, some people get caught in a cycle of victimization, right? That becomes their identity. And when you're trying to lead and grow people and they don't want to grow, it can become frustrating, and so then sometimes you get this identity of, hey, we, we, we push forward. We keep going. Yes, it's hard, but we stay in the battle and keep running. But I wrote this song and prepared this message because I felt like I was starting to see so many of my friends who had fallen away or were falling away and not coming back. And I thought, man, I should probably stop for a second to think about how I should be caring for these people. And I promise you that there are people in here, I know this, because the reason, funny enough, I wrote the seven-day devotional, Life After Church with my buddy Eric, is because of Leah. I was here, and Leah said, hey, uh, you know, I I love that new song. And a lot of people who've walked through our doors recently have expressed to us that they've experienced some real pain coming out of other church families. And I know that there are people here who've been at Calvary a long time, and the truth is that with any relationship, we experience complications because we're broken people. Every single one of us, whether it's small or whether it's big, have been affected by church in some way. John 21, 15 through 17, when Jesus is talking to Simon Peter, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. Jesus said, he reiterates it, feed my sheep. What do we learn from this passage beyond the fact that Jesus wanted Simon Peter to build his church? And I believe he wants all of us to be part of this work of building his church. We learn that Jesus loves his people, his church, more than anything except for his Father. Beyond his Father, he loves us more than anything. We're his creation. So where do we start? Well, we start with with our story. Each one of us has a story. I don't know your story, but I can share mine. And like so many church, church stories that I know, the majority that I know, it kind of just revolves around relational fractures, maybe power struggles and leadership, maybe moral failures, politics. There's all these kind of issues that trickle down in every body of faith. But I do know this, before I... Tell a little bit of my story and move into this message, I want to say and recognize that there are people here who do, who, well, who have come from experiences where you carry a great weight of abuse and broken trust that's deeper than what I can cover here today. I know that that is real, and I know that that does happen. I see you. I hope that you can seek trusted people to work through those deeper issues But I still pray that today as I share my story, that pieces of what I share and what God's been teaching me and laying on my heart would still trickle into your heart and help you find some healing today. When I was eight years old, I I think I was about eight, I remember driving away from the church that we had been at our entire lives. And uh, my parents were just turning to to me and my brother um, in the car. Does anybody else notice that like a lot of like Childhood conversations seem to happen in the car. I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. Uh, But I just remember them turning, you know, and just telling us that we weren't going to be going back to that church. There were some complicated leadership struggles. And I remember my dad doing what he thought was right, right, And there were other people who had what they thought was right. And it became abundantly clear to us that um, we probably wouldn't really be welcome there anymore. It was hard for me as a child, because my mom and dad had really served that church faithfully and really loved the people there really well. And one of the things I remember, and I was so young, I don't remember the timeline of all that they said. But one thing I remember, even though I don't know the exact words they used, was their their posture and their attitude of, we still love our pastor deeply. They expressed to us that people hurt, people are broken, people make mistakes, and they were sad. And they also taught me, whether it's through their actions or words, that we put our faith in God and not people. And when people let us down, that we just keep our eyes on Jesus. And I just remember the way it felt, being fractured and ostracized from a family that was like the closest group of people with us. You know, it's like Wednesdays, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, anytime the church door is open, you're there. And then suddenly, it's like there's a fracture that you don't know how to fix. And you see people out in the store or in public, and it's kind of like, it's almost like you don't even know each other, because how do you get into all that in a split moment? And I hated the way that felt. We walked into a new building when we were looking for a church during that season of our lives. And some of you might recognize the building that we ended up walking into. I think we have a picture of it right here. <laughs> I can smell it, you know. Oh, that old Calvary building. And I remember uh, the love that we felt from the people as we walked in. And I remember we all really did feel like it was family, and we got back involved, and mom and dad started serving again, and I just it just felt like family. And as a child, I remember thinking, okay, we went through this really difficult experience, and now it's going to be heaven on earth at this new church. If you've been in a second marriage, you know that you think, okay, we're going to move into a new family set up and everything is going to be fixed. You would be able to tell us, even in that situation, same with the church. It's like, no, you still carry baggage with you. You still have new problems to deal with. You still have to work through it. And I remember the first time we had a church fracture at Calvary, issues in leadership and struggling to know some people taking sides, you know, and whose side might you be on? Even though nobody wants to take sides, there's just, right, there's loyalties and there's feelings and it's like any other organization or family. It's like, it hurts when things separate and divide and then people walk out the door. And we ended up going through, I think, two different fractures within just a few years and the leadership after we had come to Calvary. um, But through it all, my parents remained faithful Selflessly serving God in our church family. And they were a picture to me of grace and faithfulness in a fractured and fickle world. They taught me more valuable lessons, you know, that I carry to this day how they refuse to speak poorly for the sake of gossip about people, even though they be truthful. They taught me to love people but keep my eyes on God. And as many of you know, they still serve this church 30 years later. They're still here, and I look at them and I look at Pastor Bill McGinnis, who many of you know, um, you know, just serving for so long and just his faithfulness until he was called to another church. I remember Chad in the old building as the children's pastor and how happy we were when Chad was asked to be lead pastor and fill that place. And uh, I just, it's people like that, my parents and Pastor Bill and Chad and Leah and all the other folks here. There's so many of you I could name who've just been faithful. And because of your example, when I did feel pain, I never blamed God. I never blamed God. We were people, good and the bad. We were family. But I still felt that pain. Sometimes I can still reconnect with it. I can still feel it. And in that pain, especially when it's fresh, there's something beyond the story in our lives that actually happened. There's a story that we begin to tell ourselves beyond the story. Because how do we cope when relational fractures isolate us from people we love and care for? When relational fractures cut us from people we once shared vibrant community with? See, relationships may come to an end, but we can't erase the people we love from our memories, our hearts, or our ongoing thought life. The connection lives on but we no longer have real-life interactions to bring resolution to the conversations or scenarios that we've started in our real life or in our minds. And when those relationships can't live on in real life, they play out in the wild of our imagination. Our imagination can be a really beautiful thing, but in the context of broken relationships, it can become our absolute worst enemy, can be used as a weapon against us by the enemy. Satan loves to spin webs. He loves to whisper lies in our ears about what they might think, how they feel, what they might be saying about us. Gone unchecked by reality, our imaginations may slowly convince us that all of our fears of what other people think about us, say about us, feel about us is true. Satan will feed your imagination lies at every single turn. 2 Corinthians ten three through 5 says, though, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. How do we take our thoughts captive and obedient to Christ? I'll tell you right now, it is not in isolation. It is not in isolation, darkness, or imaginations. It's in the light of the truth and community. It is in the light of truth and community together that we take our thoughts captive and we find the courage to move forward. There's one particular lie that I feel kind of permeates the culture as a broad brushstroke. And it's this. It's that the church, like big C, the church did this to me. And here's the thing, quick side note here. It is not just the church that has these problems. Every organization, every ministry, every corporation, every workplace, every family, every social club has these problems. But the thing is, is why does it hurt so much when it's church? It's understandable because this is the place we do come to find a little bit of heaven with each other together. It's the place we come to find healing. And so it hurts even deeper when the place we came to find healing, when we get sick in the hospital. It hurts, and it's hard, and it leads to many more questions. But here's the thing. It's important for us to define the church in our church hurt story. My pastor in Nashville, Darren Tyler, he tells the story how for years and years he carried the baggage of pain from a previous church experience. And for years, he said, I'd just tell people, like, oh, man, I was so put out by the church, man. So hurt by the church. Had a hard time going back. And then he had a mentor who just said to him one day, he said, you know, Darren, why don't you just write down the names of the people that hurt you? He got out his pen and paper, and he wrote a couple names, maybe three. And he looked at this paper, and he realized that it wasn't the church that hurt him. It was just a few broken people in it. But I do feel like this narrative, culturally, it's so easy to paint the broad brushstroke and just say, the church hurt us. But I think it's important for us to clearly define who hurt us, because it's equally important to define who has loved us well. It's so important to recognize the people who are serving faithfully, the people who are loving us. And who has loved us the most? The one who has loved us the most is Jesus, the head of the church. Jesus felt church hurt first. He felt it first. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In the final chorus, that song, Church Hurt, that I sang, it was so important for me to lead it back to Jesus and his blood and tears hitting the earth. I think of his tears in the Garden of Gethsemane while he asked his friends to keep watch, but they fell asleep while he prayed to his father, but his father had to turn his face so that he could die. Drink the cup. And then one of his very best friends, Judas, after all of it, with the final blow, betrays him, one of his own. And my friend Eric posed an amazing question that I don't know why I'd never heard it put this way. we were talking about Jesus, and when you're talking about the disciples and how Jesus felt this pain and how Judas betrayed him, Eric said, how many of the disciples left Jesus because of Judas? Did they blame Jesus for Judas? Of course not. Are we blaming Jesus because of Judas? And sometimes... We're all Judas. There are times, not to the degree, but there's that in every single heart. Every single heart has sinned against the Lord, has betrayed him in some way. We've all been there. We're all sinners in need of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives. We all have a peace, a glimpse of Judas inside of us. But here's the thing. Jesus, even though he felt church hurt first and the deepest, Jesus still loved imperfect people. He did not only take the pain of his own betrayal upon him, but if we truly believe what scripture says, we believe that Jesus actually took the pain and the sins of the entire world upon his back. So that means the deepest pain that you have felt, Jesus felt it for you, times every single person that has ever lived in the history of humanity. He took it upon his back and threw it all on the cross, in his death, in his resurrection, as he petitions the Father on our behalf and prays for us still. He loves imperfect people. He loves us. He did the work to heal his church. Will we receive it? So where does this all lead us? Our story, the fractures, the imaginations. What's the truth? Are there three sides to every story? You're hurt, I'm hurt, we're hurt. Sometimes it's clear who the perpetrator was. Sometimes it's not. We have all this pain, and then we look to Jesus, and we see we put our faith in God and not people, and Jesus can give us the strength. But still, like, where where do we go from here with this church-hurt narrative? Because it's so complicated. We've explored what responsibility lies with others, what responsibility Jesus took, but there's a final question that we have to ask if we want to be honest people. And I already brushed on it a little bit. But clearly, if we want to be honest, we have to say, what is my responsibility on this path of pain that I feel? What is my responsibility where I found myself in the journey of moving forward and finding healing? Hebrews 4.14-16 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so then here's part of what we do. We not only hold on, To the faith we profess, keep our eyes on Jesus, but then we approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you still believe in grace? Do you still believe in mercy, not just for yourself, but for other imperfect people? And whether or not you can heal from your church hurt may depend on your answer to that question. Maybe you're at a point where you just don't know what you believe anymore. But if you still believe, despite the hurt, despite imperfections and imperfect people, then take Paul's encouragement to heart as he implores us to hold firmly. Hold firmly. Do you have to hold firmly if your feet aren't being torn from something? No. Because your feet are being torn the enemy is trying to pull you away from the solid foundation of Jesus. Hold firmly to the faith we profess. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Many of the modern ex-evangelicals, as they call themselves, or deconstructionists, these movements have abandoned their church roots altogether. And so many times, it's like they've taken their eyes off Jesus and just tried to tear things down with no intention of rebuilding. Their eyes on everything but the one who built the church. And my encouragement is to see the end result of this pain, of this church hurt, when you have your eyes on Jesus, to see the result, reconstruction, and rebuilding from a place of healing as we hold on to our faith against the odds. Eric, again, my friend, just brought this verse to light as we wrote that devotional, and it just it's so simple. But Matthew 6 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But Jesus does not end it there. He strengthens his statement in verse 15 and says, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's a hard verse to digest. It's a lot to think about. Here's the thing about forgiveness. So many people think that if I forgive so-and-so, then I have to forget about it. Well, in a way. But you know, forgiveness isn't forgetting. You're going to remember. The pain as part of living in this life is remembering the pain that we felt and the pain that we continue to feel causes us to face a choice every single day. There are seasons of life where you feel the pain of the hurt that you have felt every single day. And in those situations, forgiveness isn't just forgetting. It's a choice to move on that frees us from the chains of being slaves to the past. It frees us. Every single day, we feel the pain over and over again. And some days, we may not. But when we do, we choose to forgive. The entry road of forgiveness starts with the reverent remembrance of just how much you have been forgiven. Meditate on the goodness, the kindness, the mercy of God toward you. And this could create a right posture to earnestly pray for those who have hurt you, to experience God's love for them as well. The person you hurt or who hurt you may not get what they deserve or what you think they deserve. But thankfully for you and me, God doesn't give us what we deserve either. We were left holding the bill for sin. It was an amount we could never afford a debt that could never be paid for. Jesus sacrificially forgave. He did the work, and I'm eternally grateful for that. Aren't you? The best way, I believe, to find forgiveness for others is by praying for the person who hurt you. Pray for the person that hurt you. And remember, there might just be someone praying for you too. Jesus loves his church, loves his church so much. Jesus loves his church. He wants to heal his church. Jesus wants to heal you. I want to see God heal you, because I believe What I said before, and I'm going to repeat it, as nations become weaker and more divided, the church must become stronger and more united. The church is the greatest force of good on the planet. So as we care for those among us who are weak, as we heal, as we forgive, as we address the church hurt, as we stop sweeping it under the rug, as we recognize our story with trusted people, put our eyes on Jesus, pray for those who have hurt us. As we build together, we have the, the great, gosh, I'm trying to think of the words. I'm trying to think of better words than I have right now. I'm trying to think of the greatest words. They're not all coming to my mind right now, but we have the great opportunity great opportunity to build God's church together. And here's what I'm going to say. We need you. We need you. The same way you need other people. The reason you may have been let down is because you needed somebody. They didn't show up for you in the way that you had hoped they would. But I'm telling you, we need you to be, to create, to build the kind of church that the world needs right now. Desperately need you. God loves you. He wants to heal you. You are a beloved member of the body of Christ. And I pray that this morning something in this message would seep into your heart if you've got unresolved pain. I want to see God do miraculous work, or just things in people's lives are healed, either just through forgiveness, or if there's maybe God's even bringing someone to your mind, and you're like, man, you know, I should probably maybe just be honest with this person maybe i need to go to somebody who doesn't even know i was hurt maybe i need to mend some of the relational fractures maybe god's laying that on your heart maybe you're in a place where there's a fracture that you know in this life can't be mended personally but god will just move on your heart to be committed in prayer to finding peace forgiveness and light in the fact of eternity and on the other side, everything will be made well. He'll make it all right one day. Did you guys just stand with me? I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to pray the prayer from the song Church heart that God put on my heart. And then Jordan's going to come, and I'm going to trust that he'll wrap it up as a leader of the church and just know how to, to direct you guys. Um, but if everybody here just. We're, we're gonna do the, the the classic church thing, man, and I think it's powerful. Sometimes I buck against like the cliche thing, you know, because it's like, like, that oh, every time, you know, we're gonna sing this song or do this prayer. But it's like, you know, why do we do those things over and over? Because they're powerful. So, if you just close your eyes, because I just I want to be able to just see in this room, um, if you'd be willing to say, hey, big or small. I, at some point, maybe it's now, maybe it was like years ago, no matter how fresh it is or how big or small it is, just say, hey, in my life, I've been affected by this church hurt somewhere along the way, and I just want God to just heal me so I can really give my best and my wholeness to the church for his glory. Anybody here? Anybody here? Yeah, so many people. So many people. You are loved. You're an important member of his church. We need you. I want you to find healing. And just thank you so much for being willing to pray with us this morning. i want to pray this prayer. Lord, you felt that church hurt when your blood and tears hit the earth. When you were stranded, you were abandoned, all just to hand us heaven here on earth. I know your heart hurts. Lord, I know you felt it first. But you love imperfect people under this steeple. And you did the work heal this hurt church. In Jesus name. Amen.
2: Matt, thank you for sharing your heart not only with us, but with uh, the world as he sings this song because what he said earlier is true, the amount of conversations uh, that we have with each of you that share the hurt that has come, uh, it breaks our hearts. And then I even think, Matt, like you said, but how often do maybe we as individuals be the one that causes the hurt? And this is just this cycle that goes around and around and around. And, and the cool thing about church is it's full of people, but the hard thing about church is it's full of people. And we're just people who mess up every day. And try to get it right and then mess up again. And that is why we serve a living and redeeming God who is there for us no matter how many times that we mess it up. But I think the place that we so often get to is that we sit in that hurt and we hold on to it. He talked about that victim mentality and we like simmer in it, you know, it's like a stew, you're like, nope, I'm not getting out. You know, you're in the pool too long. The bathtub, you get all pruney, you know? You look at your fingers and you go, nope, not done yet. But I think a lot of times in that church hurt, we're like, no, we're going to make this a good stew. And then we talk to somebody else who adds a little seasoning in, right? He said, like, let me tell you what happened to me. Oh, that happened to me too. And I, And I know that church hurt happens. I mean, Matt even says like, in this place this is not a not a Calvary thing but we have to take that church hurt learn from it ask the lord to help us through it and then put it where it belongs and move on so that we can make a difference in our world so that we can as the church can be the hope of the world because if we spend all of our time worrying about what happened in here or in here then how does out there become a different place? How do the people who are out there hear about this amazing Lord that we serve? So today as we close, man, I wanna challenge you to really take time in this next week or this next season to say, Lord, show me, show me where I've been wounded. Maybe there's things that you're holding on to that you don't even know because they've been kind of a part of you for so long. And say, Lord, what are those things that I can let go of so that I can shine bright for you? So today as we pray and we end our service, I want to encourage you to take that home with you on the way out in our Connection Center, which is kind of that glass room out in the atrium. We have some friends there who would love to pray with you. If this is something that you want someone to stand with you in, to listen to your story and to pray over you today, I'd love for you to stop out there and just to let that healing process begin. Lord, thank you so much for what you're doing. Lord, I pray that you would move in my heart, in my friends' hearts this week. Lord, that you would stir up and remind us of the things that have happened that maybe we don't even realize how it has formed us over the years, the ways that it has made us maybe feel sharp or wounded. Lord, that your love would be that healing balm that we need to just to make our heart whole again. And Lord, that we'd be able to give you all the glory for this. That when we look back, we would be able to say, this is the day, this is the week that my life began to change. And that when our lives changed, that we have this resounding joy that goes forth from here to share with others about this God who can save me, this God who can heal me, this God who is the hope of the world. Lord, we give you... All of these things, Lord, I just ask that these words would not rush out of our hearts, Lord God, but that we would hear them and really let them sink in in this time. Lord, we give you this week and all that is to come. Lord, help us to be your light to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for being here with us today. I hope you have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.